in in the short term, I think we want to really build an awareness of this approach of like creating these diagrams um, of social network analysis of participatory action research. Um, we want people who whose work uh, involves creating worlds for other people, for everyone else to just be aware that, hey, there's this tool that's not too technical and can be pretty visual and you can use it to sort of not only understand how things are working, but also uh, this idea of co-creation, right? To, together with the people you are working with, the people you are working for, you can build a better future or a better experience. Welcome to the Wonder Podcast. This is your host, CCB, and today we're gonna to be having a conversation with one of our 2021 Wonder Grant award-winning teams. And it's gonna be a resonant conversation for many of us, given the fact that they're talking about hybrid teams. They're gonna talk about uh, the research that they did in explaining some enhancements that can be made to hybrid work. And so while they're talking about hybrid teams, um, they're focused on networks of work, and it's going to be a very curious conversation and I think very informative to many of us. Um, the team is from Gensler in San Jose, and I'd like to introduce them right now. So, Amin, tell us a little bit more about yourself. Got it. Thank you for inviting us, CCB. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm Amin. I uh, cut my teeth in design thinking and human-centered design at Stanford U School and IDOU. And uh, currently, um, I'm a senior strategist in, at Gensler San Jose office. Um, I got, I, my background is in architecture and design. I got my PhD in architecture about five years ago. And the, my focus at the time was on workplaces, uh, organizational change, and social learning. And Olaitan, tell us about yourself. Uh, thanks, CCB. Um, um, my name is Olaitan. I am a strategist uh, with Amin uh, in the Seattle office of Gensler. Um, we are an example of a hybrid team. So I think our interest in the topic kind of comes from there. Um, as with Amin, I have a background in architecture um, and uh, have done research in the past on uh, teams working, how teams work, and how design teams work, and all the interesting things that go with that. So um, this project has been a an exciting blend of our interests and sort of the, the things that we're curious about. So we're ex excited to share with you today. Well, we're, we can't wait to hear more about it. So I'm going to just open it up and say, um, explain the title, if you would. I mean, I'm going to start with you. And tell us why. Why this? Yeah, absolutely. So the title, obviously, like networks of work, and the subtitle is co-creating hybrid teams, social dynamics, collaborative behavior, and work culture. And uh, the the overall concern here for us was that uh, I mean, as you might know, the conversation about or the discourse about social interaction and building community in the workplace has uh, dominated uh, the, the, 
the entire landscape during the past couple of years, people are saying, oh, that's the main reason people are coming back to the workplace. Uh, we wanted to test that hypothesis and at the same time, take a look at what is it that is really, uh, what is it that people mean by social interactions? And uh, the, the co-creation side of it. So the part that has to do with networks of work, we uh, started looking at uh, people's social, social relationships and interactions in a workplace from a social network analysis perspective or organizational network analysis perspective, uh, which kind of like helps us to uh, look at these interestingly beautiful networks of how people connect with one another. The part that has to do with co-creation, co-creating hybrid teams, and that's in the title too, is looking at how to get to a desired network. So let's say that we map the current network of how people are interacting. Is there a desired network that we can get to it? And the co-creation part of it has to do with inviting the employees, inviting the folks in the workplace to, uh, to build that desired network. I wanted to add to, because there's something I'm gonna describe that I, I absolutely love and I think um, really drove this project. Um, him talking about community, that's, you know, it, I think if we think back to post-pandemic life, let's call it that, um, a lot of our sense of community was really tied to space and tied to like being in the same place with people, having these like, amenities that promoted a sense of culture and community and helped you know what an organization was about. But like our team, as, as an example, which is a distributed team, um, we kind of saw moving moving like post-pandemic, mm. um, the just the world of work is geography doesn't really matter as much as it maybe would have before. So then, you know, how, how do we, what does what does culture and community and learning and all the things that make workplaces special? What does that mean in a post geographic world? Um, okay, that has to be my favorite uh, phrase in your. <laughs> and I know you might think that's silly when I read the whole the whole report, but when you think about <laughs> post geographic work landscape, I mean it certainly it speaks to everything that you're saying, Alaytan, and the nature of community is actually a, th a through pull in all of the um, the wonder grants this year. It, I found it very, very curious. And, you know, are we feeling that the loss of community or the, the change in community in such a way that we want to spend more time and understand more about it? Very, very interesting. Anyway, um, I cut you off, but I wanted to say uh, there's a within the why and the goals who was the audience that you intended this for? We we kind of were uh, we, we were thinking about and we thought about it uh, with uh, amazing mentors that we had at one workplace, and I gotta say that they helped us a lot uh, throughout this journey. Uh, we kind of started thinking about there are four categories of audience that this research will be relevant relevant to. Uh, the first group are folks that are involved in curating, designing a spaces for employees. These are the real estate people, facilities, department, um, space design teams. And this type of research helped us to uh, kind of, for them to go beyond achieving employee satisfaction 
by accommodating for team productivity and culture in, in different ways and kind of look at, look at how they create and assign the spaces uh, to best serve the needs of teams in addition to individuals. A second group are team leads. Uh, I'd say like uh, this type of research helps them to uh, kind of uh, quantitative, quantitatively and qualitatively uh, and collaboratively frame uh, team communication and connectivity uh, and kind of include a measurable KPI for evaluating their team success. Um, HR, chief innovation officers, chief technology officers, uh, this type of work helped them to direct resources to previously hidden strategic connections in the organization um, because this type of research kind of uncovers some of the uh, relationships that are not necessarily vocal, but they're there underneath the organization's uh, skin. And eventually employees, um, this kind of helps employees to take charge and take control of their learning and engagement um, by understanding their place in the larger organization and also participating in co-creating their desired um, networks of communication and collaboration. Um, I, I think in our in our work in our day to day work we um, engage a lot with employee experience um, departments in our work as like design strategists and we're I think we're seeing that a lot more in architecture firms. Um, yeah, we tend to do a lot have a lot of conversations with like clients on you know not only how does space improve your employee experience but how does culture improve your experience as well or the experience of your employees. So I think just a natural extension of that was just our, maybe the way, the way we were thinking of it was that's our audience, right? Anyone who is involved or whose like role it is to create a safe, inclusive, welcoming, productive environment for, for their employees would be a, a, a recipient of this work. Okay, so we kind of have the outside of, you know, the why uh, and, and the who might be the uh, recipients or the benefactor beneficiaries of this research. Um, so now, how about you start to tell us the how? <laughs> what was the methodology and the process, which is fascinating? And I'm going to do a caveat here and say the full research report will be available on the One Workplace Wonder Grant website. So you'll be able to look at this in more detail. And I know it's always tricky to explain process in some ways, uh, but I'd love you to try. I want to, I want to, I don't want to interrupt. And I don't, I want to hear Amin describe this because I've heard him say on several times that this is like, this is like his life's like this is the thing he loves to do and loves to talk about. Um, so I am excited for him to share it with the world. You go, I mean. <laughs> You're very kind, Elita. Uh, no, I mean, I, I, I would probably, before specifically talking about the methodology for this approach, I'll, I'd like to tell a story about a research project that we did uh, about like seven years ago. And the, the mindset was the same. We wanted to look at uh, social interactions, social dynamics in a workplace. And we used uh, sociometric badges. I don't know if you're familiar with them, but yeah, I mean, they look like your cell phone, the size of your cell phone, people wear them around their neck and records people's social interactions. 
But that research study was interesting in a sense that in addition to employees, uh, we had an interesting participant. One of the employees had a dog, his name was Bear, and Bear also participated in the research voluntarily. So he wore, one of, we put one of those badges around his neck and he kind of was walking around the office and greeting people, following people. And after, after the analysis and looking at everybody's uh, social networks, uh, it was it was interesting that I'd say like majority of employees socio-spatial networks looked like a dense a string ball. Uh, however, Bear's network uh, looked like the blossoming flower. Uh, and the dense string ball happens because you just go to the people that you know and you interact with those folks and you ask one person 10 times different questions. You go to kind of, you have your own team uh, after a while, but Bear, I mean, he didn't know any like kind of uh, organizational hierarchy, didn't limit his interactions inside his team, immediate team. He was highly mobile at the office. And most importantly, he kept his interactions very short and very sweet. And uh, I gotta say like that, that started the conversation about uh, the bear phenomenon and what is what our desired networks in an office should be. So when it comes to this study, we started looking at, hey, it's not enough. We asked ourselves, it's not enough to map people's current interactions. Let's ask them or map people's desired interactions and then have a conversation about how to get from current to desired. Well, uh, obviously, and maybe unfortunately, we couldn't really uh, map people's interactions using sociometric badges because nobody's physically in the office. So we had to launch a survey for this first phase. And, uh, and we asked a bunch of questions. Who do you frequently interact with? Um, how often? What are the different roles? And then we asked the same questions in a, uh, and we put people in a mindset of the future and we asked them, hey, in an ideal scenario, how would your interactions change? And, uh, and we kind of create a visualizations from the current scenario, from the desired scenario, and we compared the two uh, for different teams. And I gotta say that we did this for, the, for a global technology company and a global design company. We wanted to compare the, uh, cross compare the two uh, the two at the same time and uh, and again like this was the part one of our research the part two that is inspired by participatory action research uh, will be done in the next couple months uh, where people are gonna uh, come to the uh, come come and like take a look at these networks people who participated in these studies will take a look at these networks and try to unpack it for us and talk about it, that what is it that these, what do these numbers mean? And add a qualitative layer to all of this and add, add their own story uh, to, the, to the quantitative networks. Um, I think if we, if we take just a tiny step back, the, the link between, or the reason maybe we really hyper-focused on interactions um, and the really came from a place of like culture, right? Organizational culture, whereas, before you could define it as like, I don't know how many ping pong tables you have in an office. You, you couldn't really do that anymore, right? Culture isn't dependent on ping pong tables, it's dependent on people. Um, so we, we looked at a bunch of prior research that you know, incredibly smart people have done 
uh, not us. <laughs> uh, <laughs> You're adding to it. Okay, so move on. Um, and um, there was a clear link. I think we kind of saw a clear link between um, the culture of innovative teams or innovative teams having a culture of learning, of you know, learning without hierarchy, learning without like politics, just interaction, free flowing interaction and engagement. So from there, I think our way to measure, for lack of a better word, measure culture came from then, okay, understanding interactions, but not just hierarchical interactions like there, right? We wanna be like there, we think having that, the bear phenomenon is what drives innovative teams. Um, so then, you know, can we look not just at, at organizations hierarchies, but also at like informal and formal um, modes of engagement and patterns of engagement that sort of emerge. Yeah, and I gotta add to what Joshua Lighton said in terms of what one of the interesting findings uh, from this research, and I know that we're gonna get to it later, but I couldn't resist because Lighton is like basically talking about the signature of, uh, of uh, highly innovative teams uh, versus other. And I would say like the technology company, for example, in this study, uh, their network had a higher range and range means meaning that they reach out to more people, their teams reach out to more people and higher centrality, which means uh, they do more cross-pollination. Uh, and these are both indicative of a work process that relies on outside inspiration uh, as a key predictors, a predictor of innovation. Alternatively, the design companies network had higher density and interconnectivity among immediate team members. And these are key predictors of efficiency and focus on task delivery. Uh, so, so again, to, to Alaitan's point, these different behaviors from a social network analysis, they have different signatures. And as soon as you see the network, you can tell that, oh, this company is geared towards more innovation. This one is more efficiency. This one is more about productivity and task delivery. And uh, kind of you can start telling those differences. Well, one of the curious uh, thoughts I had during this, because it is talking about work culture, uh, the, the um, research intends to talk about work culture, but it feels like it's a different definition of culture than what we might you know, normally think. Could you speak to that to just a tiny bit? It's a, it's a uh, narrower definition of culture. Um, and that I think was intentional for the sake of for, for measurement sake, you know, there's there's so many intangibles that go into culture. And I think the phase two of this work, we'll get into that, where that's less like it's, we're not measuring as much, but then we're understanding experience a little bit more. We're hoping to have conversations to then unpack some of these signature. I mean, you are so poetic, the way you describe things. Uh, these signatures that sort of came up um, to, you know, we it's not our intention to say like, one is good and one is bad. That's not, not at all our intention, but rather to say, hey, here's here's what's happening. Is this what you is this what you think is happening? Is this what you want to be happening? Is there another way you want to be doing things? And um yeah, so sorry, back to the, the definition of culture. Right now we've kept it narrow just so it's measurable but then it'll get more into um, the experience, experiential parts of culture. And I think you actually, I mean, the report does reference that, that the nuances from the next um, phase uh, fill out that that picture all the way across. 
the breadth of the, the research. Exactly. Um, okay. So, so then if you don't want to talk about any other part of process, and I, I mean, you've defined, you've described the, um, the survey and the, um, and the, the characters that you spoke with or interacted with, um, and the, the two dominant, um, organizational, uh, what's the word I want? Um, structures, if you will, from the technology organization and the design organization. So how about if you start to share some of the findings, because there's the, the richness of the findings. And I'm also going to say, again, um, there are, uh, from a process standpoint, in the report, there are diagrams that, that really inform some of the definitions that they've been giving us, um, uh, Amin and Alaitan. So, so move into findings. I'll, I'll probably just... Before focusing on the finding, I'm just going to add a quick, another quick story anecdote um, and then have Olaitan expand on it. Uh, I remember like pre previously prior to pandemic, whenever we, we did similar, similar research and we kind of looked at current network, desired network, and uh, across the board, um, the desired employees desired network is usually denser and it's more interconnected. So people are asking for more, and more social interactions, more cross-pollination. And I remember that when we were in, analyzing this data, uh, Olaitan called me in the middle of the week uh, and said, hey, I found something really interesting when we were running the numbers, and this is not similar to what we've done this before. So I'm just gonna... <laughs> Yeah, I'm just gonna uh, pause here and let the light on expand on it. What what was different? The building the anticipation. And I know <laughs> this is like a cliffhanger. Come on, light <laughs> So like Amin was saying, you know, like like previously when when this sort of work has been done, just consistently, a desired network is always right. People want to be more like there, right? You want to have more engagements, more like free flowing, everyone talking to everyone. Um, <laughs> this time it was different. Uh, it was, it was, that was not the case. Um, that was not the case at all. Uh, it seemed like what we were seeing was that the, the current networks have expanded a little bit, you know, even though like in the design case, they are a little bit, you know, more constrained, but then in both, in both, contexts um the desired network was smaller it wasn't as expensive wasn't as you know everyone everyone really doesn't really want to be talking to everyone right now and i think that that was a couple of things make that just completely fascinating one i mean we think of the time and the way we've been working right now and i think the that's where the nuance will add, will kind of give a lot more color to the, um, it's just, we've been working in just like hyper engaged, hyper, just always on um, for two years. And I think people are starting to get tired of that. That's, that's at least like our, we're speculating on that. Um, I think it'll be, I just, I'm completely, I, I completely fascinated, completely just, I can't imagine what the reasons for that would be. Um, or I guess I am imagining, but it'll be great to hear what people are saying, the reasons for that, for that will be. Um, but the other thing, and there's a second point that I've now forgotten. Uh, oof. Just blanked. 
you can come back to it. It, it probably will come back to you. Yeah. You're talking about you're talking. This was, you know, observations around the uh, around the process. However, you're in the findings, so you're you're synthesizing. You're looking at and making your observations along with the data. Right. And and we're we're not seeing we're seeing something completely. I remember it now. We're seeing something completely different from what we sort of confidently were were expecting to see. And I think it it points to maybe um, I think as a researcher, you always want to critique your own work. It points to maybe a slightly narrow definition of culture and interactions that we were then measuring. Um, because, you know then you know maybe maybe interactions aren't the only aren't the strongest measure aren't the only measure or maybe there's a different way people are thinking about culture now that we're working in this new we're in this new experimental world um, where everything is completely different it yeah I was going to say I would make an observation that I have heard on numerous occasions that the um this interaction in the distant world of Zoom and um, ha- is broader because of the amount of people, but it's not deeper. You know, it's it's a more shallow. It appears, it has the appearance, the facade of, I know your house and I know your dog, but I don't know. It's not the same kind of, uh, it's, and I've heard that more than five times. Right, right. <laughs> anyway. Right, right. Um... So yeah, we are. We're def- that's that's something we're definitely exp- excited to look into more and just get get some rich rich information around that. Um, a lot of our other findings sort of um, were organized as like comparisons. So like, hey, we saw this in the tech technology team. We saw this in the in the design team, and there I think maybe four four other kind of broad categories of things around cross-pollination, cohesion, decision-making. Uh, I mean, do you want to dive into some of those? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And um, I got I wanted to add first to what you said, CCB, in terms of the depth of the network versus the depth of the relationship versus the uh, gro- its growth horizontally, perhaps. And uh, and I and I have to say that that what makes the second part of this research really important because we sometimes look at these networks and you see uh, what we describe in uh, the look, vocabulary that we use this this stronger tie. So you see this really thick link between two actors or between two two nodes. Um, but that doesn't mean anything. This, this means right. just the frequency of interactions. It doesn't talk about the depth or the meaning behind the interaction, how meaningful the quality. that is. Right. Yeah, exactly. The quality of the interaction. So that's what makes the second part of this research really, really important to really dig deeper into the what looks like a weak tie versus what looks like a strong tie to get them. So maybe the weak tie is making more impact than the, than the stronger tie. Uh, the second thing that comes to my mind is, again, wanted to uh, emphasize that this is a relatively a small sample. It's like 50 people across two organizations and four teams. Uh, and uh, we can't really pass, we're not passing judgment on any, on any of this. I mean, we, we, but it's a, it's a perspective uh, or it's, the, it's a shift in perspective and a start uh, perhaps like challenging the dominant narrative of everybody's missing social interactions, everybody's missing uh, like the workplace because uh, it was all about community building, community building social interactions. 
and uh, the the thing that and so so the research is more about a proof of concept for a methodology or a, a kind of way of looking at these social interactions as opposed to um, uh, kind of just launching surveys and asking folks what is it that you miss about the workplace. The third thing that I wanted to add uh, was that uh, we kind of the terminology that we started using for these for the desired network is more lean uh, is leaner network as opposed to like a smaller or so we kind of uh, so because when you look at uh, people's uh, interactions in the desired network the way that this they describe it it, it seems like uh, they're not necessarily want to reduce their ties or the weight of their ties and weight is like the strength of their tie, but they prefer to redistribute them. So uh, not increase them, but redistribute them. They want to form new ties. They want to, uh, certain ties in the, in the desired networks has, has disappeared, in the, uh, has the, in the current network has disappeared and reappeared in the desired network. They want to shift the weight of certain ties from one actor or one peer to another peer in a desired scenario. Um, so those are some of the changes in addition to the uh, innovation versus efficiency signature that we signed a technology company versus the design company. And I guess like another interesting thing that came up was who the decision makers are uh, in each of these teams. Again, in the technology company, uh, the networks merely relied on a few key actors with a higher degree and a degree is like how many people they reach out. Uh, and these key actors connect and coordinate with each other frequently and then reach out to others. In the design company, however, decision-making happened in larger meetings uh, where most actors were present. And uh, there was, it was, I would say in a, may, in a way, it was more consensual and more democratic, uh, uh, what, which could be the nature of design work the nature of the business i was going to say the the the, the output because you think about um and i something else that that i was that made me stop and think was we don't think of design practices as not being as being not innovative you know there is a lot of these things taking place but but it is a it does feel like the whole design process is much more collaborative as compared to you know, the technology and, and again, not a weighted good, bad. It's just that feels more focused, more. Yeah. Anyway. Um, I think one, there's so many, there's so many, like, you know, you keep going down and down and there's so many like granular nuggets of cool information that come out from it. But I think one of the, the, the like big headlight things for me would be that, you know, like, when we talk about culture and collaboration, when we, t- we talk about like, like we have to be more collaborative, like you hear that language, more collaborative, we have mm-hmm. to interact more and things like that. And it's, it's such a, such a small shift, but it's what, what comes to me is like, oh, it's, it's not about that. It's not about that. It's about, we're missing the quality of interactions. We're missing the impact of our collaboration and, and if there's ways we can hone in on that, then my God. Yeah, the word intention comes to mind right. uh, to right. me. That are we, in, you know, what's the intentionality behind any of these activities? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, wow, wow. I mean, literally, this conversation could go on forever. <laughs> and um, and you have 
you, you, you know, you've already referenced kind of next steps and what's going on. I'm, I'm curious, what, um, what's your vision for, you know, the, the use of this or the life of this particular study and, and information? All you, I mean, this is, this is where you get to shine. Come on. <laughs> Take us home. Look, totally. Um, can you maybe, maybe rephrase the question or like say it differently? Sure. Um, it's the, yeah. here's a, a body of research that, you know, as, this is phase uh -huh. one and then there'll be phase two, but there you're generating, you know, information and you're generating knowledge and you're generating data. What, what do you hope? you know, this comes out of this? Um, in, in the short term, I think we want to really um, build an awareness of this approach of like creating these diagrams um, of social network analysis of participatory action research. Um, we want people who whose work uh, involves creating worlds for other people, for everyone else to just be aware that, hey, there's this tool that's not too technical and can be pretty visual and you can use it to sort of not only understand how things are working, but also um, this idea of co-creation, right? To together with the people you are working with, the people you are working for, you can build a better future or a better experience. Um, that I think that's a it's a short term goal. Yeah. Um, and in the long term, I think we'd want to. This is this is like big dream. Um, we'd want to maybe see. A, it would be great if you know this work and the work that comes after it. We start to really dial in on what we mean by organizational culture. Like, what do we mean by culture? What is the culture we're trying to create um, in, in a hybrid world where there's, there's no, more, no more boundaries? Um, what is culture and how do we create it? Yeah, yeah, I love that. And I would say, yes, uh, revisiting some of, some of these words that we use all the time, like culture, social interaction, Collaboration. Um, collaboration. Yeah. I mean, what is, what do they what really mean? mean? Exactly. What do they really mean? And is there a way to um, kind of look at it? Um, I mean, quantitatively is one way of obviously looking at it, but definitely, I mean, this approach brings the stories, brings uh, kind of a, unpacks it in, in, in more nuanced ways. And I, I gotta add that part of it is just generating this data, this type of work that is like qualitative and quantitative. But at the end of the day, the artifacts that are being generated uh, that are these networks, they're just excuses for engaging uh, the employees and for them to take control of their, um, of, of their social work life. Uh, to kind of like bring them, show them what this is. And we've done it um, multiple times. Um, the moment that they start looking at uh, like beyond numbers, because when you take a survey or you use the sociometric badges and all of that, they're just like giving you numbers. They go, hey, I want to talk to this person uh, like four times a day. But when they'll start looking at the network, they'll see all those dead ends in their, um, in the, 
uh, in the graphs, they start seeing the stars and the constellations and all of that. And constellations traditionally, I mean, they come with the stories, right? So they start looking at these constellations, start telling us uh, stories and they, they gradually, they take control of the, of the narrative and uh, they, they, in a way, they become uh, the owners of, um, uh, of of their social work life, uh, and think about how to build new rituals, how to build new uh, ways of connecting, so that they can get to their uh, to the to the desired uh, to the desired scenario. So it's more, I would say, like for for Alighton and I, it's a Trojan horse of uh, giving more power to employees and giving more power to uh, uh, to folks that are. Uh, kind of are the greatest assets for, for these organizations. Okay, that's pretty well said, and that's very broad in, in your, your desire. Uh, well, I mean, it's, uh, it's, like, it's like world changing. And the thing that keeps sitting in my head is change and that it will continue. And so I think you both have long, rich careers ahead of you. Thinking about the change that's consistent, you know, that that is just natural, and you know, this external factor of the pandemic created this kind of, and who knows what the next factor is that that shifts the way that we all come together. So I think, wow, good for you. Thank you so much for sharing. Uh, we're like right at the end of our time, so I am just going to say, Amin and Olaitan, thank you so very much for sharing your research on networks of work. And all of this information, as I've said earlier, will be available on the Wonder Grant website. And thanks to all of our listeners. Uh, all of our streaming services will capture the Wonder Podcast, and we will look forward to talking to you again soon. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. So All right. Thank you. And bye.